We'll get into that a little bit later. But if you aren't familiar with the amateur scene in mixed martial arts, it's rising. It's the biggest boom now. Uh, one of the biggest promotions is a promotion named Tough Enough that works very, very close with the UFC. They were actually on UFC Fight Pass at one point in time. She actually won the championship at 135. She's 8-2, a tremendous talent. I've been a fan of women's MMA since Smack Girl and watching it in Japan. And before you young whippersnappers had the, the different – which I used to do, and Smack Girl watched, watched some of the greats in the sport of females, female MMA, and uh, Brie Carpenter is a name on the rise. She is definitely a talented force to be reckoned with. I can see her in Invicta. I can see her in Bellator. I can see her in UFC. I can see her wherever her heart and wherever her destiny takes her. Ryzen, that's another promotion she can go to. She's a talented individual, and not just that. We also have Joel Warren, who this guy, he is an absolute phenomenon a huge, huge wrestler. He's won Pan American Games. He won World Championships in wrestling. Roman is his bread and butter. Also, he's won championships in two different classes, multiple weight classes in Bellator. He's a world champion in life. He's a world champion wrestler, world championship champion in MMA. I'm really excited to talk to him, Don. I'm, I'm super excited to talk to him. So I'm just as nervous as you. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's truly going to be a great show, you know, and uh... – you know, a lot of people have, you know, followed Joe Warren's career for years. And, you know, I think it's, it's a tremendous attribute for that man to come on, you know, and speak with us. It's truly humbling. Another side that, you know, I really like to touch on real quick before we kind of go any further is, is the love from MMA Gold. And Dave Hirschbein, uh, Jim West, 
Dave, K-Spear, all, all of the trainers, everybody, all the fighters out there are just a truly sensational group. And I think it's a, a gem that a lot of people need to pay attention to with the, create, you know, the creations of Aspen Lad, Max Griffin, and Justin Baseman, Danny Ramirez. I can go on and on and on. But the talent that's coming out of MMA Gold is going to be the future in this sport, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just... It's just an endless sea of talent. Don, you hear me okay, right? Yes, sir. Not okay. Yeah, it's an endless stream of talent that's being pumped into the sport right now. And, Don, you talked about last episode and how you've been in the sport since the very beginning days of it. And, you know, it's, it's such a change, and the sport is so evolved. Even on the amateur scene, all the way up to the professional scene, there are top-notch athletes all around Every side of the spectrum, you look in the sport of mixed martial arts, it's so evolved. Their training regimen, the gyms that they go to, who they're, who they're fighting, their competitions, always the best versus the best. No, more, no such thing as a tomato can. If you don't know what a tomato can is, watch Pride 1 through Pride 7, and you'll see some of your favorite names fighting them. <laughs> so it's right now, like Don, when, when you look at the sport as a whole, do you see what I'm talking about, how the, the, the talent is just on the entirely different universe? And even if you compare it to 2001 to 2010, just in so X amount of years, in so few years, the athletes are getting twice as good. It's like a constant, constant evolution of the sport. Do you, do you agree with me? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I truly agree with you. You know, one thing... I do want to touch on, and uh, I, I noticed this change just within the last year, and it's it's something that really gives you know me a new impression on the sport and the trainers and the gyms in a whole. You, you know, I mentioned MMA Gold already, but then you look, you turn down, you look at Antonio McKee, who was on last week with the Body Shop MMA down there, uh, truly changing lives and, and creating a dominant path in this sport, even at Bellator 160, which is mainly the body shop versus the world. Then you turn around and you come to the Midwest. You've got Glory MMA and Fitness up there in Lee Summit, and you've got Megan Anderson, who just won it in Victor. You've got James Krause. You've got Zach Cummings. You've got Tim Elliott, who's in that tough house. You've got Anthony Sharkbait Gutierrez. And we go on and on and on, and the talent that is coming from these three gyms is not just in the UFC, but in all promotions and at all levels. And they're truly hitting the ball out of the park every time they step in the cage, per se. Yeah, it is, it is a constant. Every single fight is going to be fight of the night caliber. And, you know, you, you look at the – this is why – you know what the biggest argument, too, is there's so many shows in mixed martial arts now. There's so many amateur shows. There's so many UFC fight nights. There's so many uh, UFC numbers. There's so many Bellator events. That's the constant argument I'm hearing, but it's warranted because look at how many people are inserted in the sport now. Look at how many people are involved now. Like, you, you, you look at – like, if you go to any gym whatsoever, if you go to a gym down the block, there's – one, two, three, four, five, even the entire gym that are championship caliber athletes. If they put enough work into it, they're, they're striving towards something. They're stri striving towards a goal of being on one of those shows. So when you have a sport 
And this is why the sport is the fastest growing sport in the world is because you have so many hungry people backing it and fueling it. You know, football players, they're sitting on their high horses with million-dollar contracts, and that's why teams are so inconsistent. A championship football team one year could be the last ranked the next year because not only drafts are in place, there's money everywhere and floating over the place. Football players don't necessarily have to put on the best performances of their life every single time they go on the field. But when you have a sport like mixed martial arts, you, you, are, you have people that are fighting like it's their last fight on earth. And they're fighting because they want to make it to that top stage. They want to make it. it it's, it's, just, it's just remarkable to see how fast the sport has grown. And it's remarkable to see these shows. Because any show you go to, you're going to see championship caliber athletes and championship caliber fighters. Any gym you go to, any fight show you go to, just all around talented folks. Yeah, you know, I I'll take it just a little little hair deeper. You know, you talk about the vastness of of the sport and the the amount of fighters that are coming into the sport. It's incredibly vast. So when you got a fighter of you know making a name for themselves and and really creating a path and getting the attention that you know they deserve, you know that that fighter truly has gone the extra mile really has gone that that extra three hours or four hours of gym every day to get where they're at because when you get to the level of some of the people that we interview and, and touch bases with on a daily basis, I mean, it's just like, for instance, like a car. You know, they make a hundred million of them. Is every one of them the best? No. Just like with fighters, there might be a hundred million of them, but you're only going to, you're going to only know and, and understand the, the top two percent, and so these fighters that are coming out, especially the three gems that I touted, not not only are they making a name for themselves, but the gems are making a name for themselves in a whole. And you know, when you see that type of mentality being instilled in the sport today, the sport has nowhere to go but up. Yeah, and you you touch upon this. This is I, I love that the sports. Like, I love how the teams are getting their names out there, too. It reminds me back in the day where, you know, they, you're, I give you a perfect example. I'm sorry I'm jumping topics here, but there was an entire Ultimate Fighter season based on the Black Zillions versus American Top Team. And it reminded me back in the day where shoot box used to go to war with Brazilian Top Team. And I always wondered team demographic, if the, the team aspect of the sport, if it would ever hit the states. And what I, what I love so much is it's not just the athletes, but the teams that are getting themselves out there too. Like top, top teams like AKA and Rufus Sport and American Top Team is always going to be up there. And uh, I don't know if Brazilian Top Team is still around because, uh, of course, Vendelay Silva and Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva is not in Black House, but the, the teams are just at, are, as important as as the fighter itself, they're they're both big entities in the sport. They're they're both just as big as the sport itself. I, I like top teams. Like Don, you can rattle off a couple of names. You've been in the sport long enough. What are your your favorite teams that are out there right now? Uh, you know, honestly, to be, be quite honest with you, I, I will speak of five that predominantly catch my attention right now, and that's AT and T, Coconut Creek. AKA Glory MMA and Fitness in Kansas City, MMA Gold, and uh, the Body Shop down there in Los Angeles. Those 
those five teams to me are a dominating force in the sport of mixed martial arts right now. Yeah, MMA Gold is completely raising monsters. And I their name travels far and wide, even in the streets of New Jersey where I come from, you know, MMA Gold, I heard about them before anybody came on or before you talked about it. So when you start talking about MMA Gold, I know the potential that's in that gym. They're just stocked with talent. They are, uh, they're going to they're gonna be a force to reckon with on the MMA scene if they aren't already. Because, again, you know, with, with, when it comes to teams, I love the team aspect of the sport. I love, I love Takata Dojo back in the day. I love Shootabox. I love Brazilian Top Team. I'm a big fan of teams and what they do to contribute the talent to the sport. And they, you go to a facility, you go to the gym, you train hard with their trainers, and then they get pumped into these promotions, and you see what they got. So I can't even stress how important the team aspect is of the game. But I, I agree, MMA Gold is a powerhouse. And by the way, Don, by the way, we forgot to mention, but uh, Beast Fuel Energy Drink and Cycle Gear, big shout out to you guys, because not, not just the teams and the athletes, it's also the brands. The brands are very, very important to the sport. So I want to give a big shout out to Cycle Gear and Beast Fuel. We're, we're lucky to be friends with those guys, aren't we? Almost definitely, you know, uh, you know, Beast Fuel has been very, very, very good, you know, in, in all aspects of the sport. And when you mentioned Psycho Gear, you kind of touched my heart a little bit there, you know. Uh, as it's no secret, I'm, I'm signed with Psycho Gear, and the, the love that's been emulated from from Johnny throughout Bellator and other promotions in this business if, has been truly eloquent. The, we, we talk about new flavor being added to the business, to the sport. I truly, when I met this individual, I saw an individual that was that of old school. And that's something you don't really find nowadays. Every, everybody always wants their piece of the pie. Uh, this cat jumped on the scene and brought real with him. And in return is getting a predominant fight team, you know, behind his label and, uh, I look forward to great things. You know, I, I've i always been in this business to help those who help themselves. And, you know, honestly, I couldn't be more honored uh, that you brought up Psycho Gear tonight as it truly, truly is a family-type rapport. And the founders of Psycho Gear truly are changing the way uh, sponsorships are being done. And it's, it's unique. And... Uh, helping, like I said, grow a vast, vast fight team of, of great caliber. And kudos to Johnny and Amanda Combs for doing that for Psycho Gear, uh, truly setting the precedence in what it means to be a sponsor. Absolutely. And I'll let you introduce our first guest, Don, because you're, you're a buddy of hers. So, Don, take it away. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, coming off of a 10-second knockout in our last performance, a truly tremendous practitioner in this sport that we love so much. Coming out of MMA Gold, Miss Brita Carpenter. How are you doing this evening, Brita? Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me okay? Oh yes, we we can we can hear fine. You know, Brita. First and foremost, I'd like to apologize for the technical difficulties that we had when we were supposed to have you on last week, but we got oh, you that's now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was unfortunate, but it's all good. Yeah, we got you now. Now, I'm going to start off my first question with your training 
and the people that I that you have behind you. You know, I've I've interviewed several MMA gold fighters and people that uh, are associated as trainers with the gym, and I'm truly astounded with the professionalism that comes out of there. Uh, what has MMA Gold done for Brita Carpenter? Oh, my God. I don't even know where to start. I've been with MMA Gold for two and a half years now, and it's just like it's. I came from a little crap team that actually had a lot of really bad qualities about it, and um, I avoided MMA Gold for the longest time because I ended up needing to find a new team because my coach left. Um, but I avoided MMA goal because I'd heard so much like crap talk about them and so many bad things. And one day I got dragged in here by another teammate and checked it out. And it was amazing. And just like the vibes that I felt like you could tell all the, all the rumors I'd heard weren't true. It was just people talking crap because MMA gold was the best. And I just fell in love with it. And, um, they've treated me amazingly ever since, even on multiple occasions, giving me a place to live. So there's yeah, there's nothing that they haven't done for me. Absolutely love this team. Okay, well you know I kind of want to take a step to tough enough. Um, you fought Serena De Jesus and you can't really even call it a fight. It was it was ten seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah. With with such a a devastating victory, what were the thoughts? going through Brita Carpenter's mind as it ended so suddenly? Um, It's always crazy. Like, I've had a, a couple fights or a few fights end really quickly, like, before even a minute, and it's just kind of like, like, you don't even have time to, the adrenaline doesn't even set in yet. Like, you feel completely differently afterwards than you would if you had fought, like, a three-round fight. You feel like you didn't even fight. But, yeah, it's crazy just seeing that happen before my eyes. It's always in slow motion. It's just, but I kind of expected that to happen. That was one of the things that was crossing my mind. I was like, you know, I feel like I might take care of this girl really quickly, and it happened. So I was ready. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. And, Bree, by the way, it's a pleasure talking to you. I've been following your career. You know, we've been friends on the old Facebook for a while. So it's probably good to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very good to talk to you, and I, I've been watching from far. You've been doing absolutely magnificent with your career, so kudos to you, my friend. Um, so Thank I do you. Have a question. No problem, no problem. So I do have a question, though. So you have a massive 8-2 record. Very, very impressive stuff. Uh, your last victory was a tough ran by the great Jeff Mayer and the Mayer family. Oh, yeah. Um, so I want to know, because could you find any information of how you got started in mixed martial arts? So you, you started, really? of course, you're young in the game. You are, you're, you're doing very well for yourself. How did you start wake up one day and say, this is something I want to pursue. I want to be the best at it. Um, well, I've been doing Taekwondo since I was seven. I'm a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. And as I got older, I started to like sparring more. So between mm-hmm. 16 and 18, I did a lot of um, competitive Taekwondo matches and, you know, they're not real fights. I was just unsatisfied like with not actually fighting somebody. I just really wanted to actually hurt somebody. And so um, one day I just let my coach know, like I'm switching disciplines. I'm going to start MMA. And I really wanted to be challenged too. I wanted to challenge myself, see what I could do. And the I just found an MMA gym and 
started there, I actually just went with the cheapest one, and it ended up being a great starting point for me, the team I talked about earlier. And, yeah, yeah I just fell in love with it and knew that I could do it and that I was going to challenge myself and exceed my own expectations. So I just believed in myself and yeah, absolutely. put my heart and soul into it from the beginning. Yeah, and your testament to hard work pays off. You try for something, mm-hmm. you'll end up getting it in the long run, which what I respect about you tremendously. And you're you're first to be reckoned with, and I, I say you're standing out in the Amy scene because I see what you do and what you can accomplish. But the story's not over with you, not by a long shot. The, the story doesn't end with you winning a championship at greater things in your mind because there's so many great female MMA promotions out there. Ryzen, there is what is the angle for you and what do you want Okay, that last part cut out a lot. What was the <laughs> what was the last thing you said? I'm sorry, what is your end game goal for you? Do you want to end up in UFC? Do you want to go in Invicta? Like what is what you're striving for in this? Um, so I just signed with Invicta. So that's the starting point for my professional career. Um, I'm actually uh, scheduled to fight a fight here locally in Sacramento until just um, killing time until Invicta finds me my first matchup. But, yeah, so I'm going to start at Invicta, and then from there go to the UFC, and we'll see how I do there. I want to I wanna do a lot of different things in my career. I don't just want to fight the whole time. I, wanna, I want MMA to open a lot of doors for me, whether it be in the entertainment business or – what I, I'm not going to give away too much. Just what I, I wanted to open a lot of doors, and I want to be successful in a lot of different areas. So, but, of course, I want to be the best MMA fighter in my division as well. <laughs> Very cool. Now, Aubrey, you kind of touched on something that is very intriguing. You know, you, your, your, your pro debut is – now, is that going to be within Victor, or is that going to be in the promotion um, it's going to be regionally, most likely. I did just uh, schedule a, a regional fight, just kind of, yeah, until Invicta finds me my first fight. I just like to stay active. I haven't fought in a few months, and I don't want to wait too long, so I'm going to take this regional fight and then go from there. Okay, you know, look back to the moment. Invicta, you get the call, however it may have happened. What does that mean Rita Carpenter, knowing that you know the future is here, it, it really exists, and, and Invicta is a tremendous platform to to shine. And what did that mean to you that day? To signing my contract or getting getting offered it? Yeah, getting getting the fight into into Invicta. What what day did that mean to you? Um, it meant a lot because. I've been wanting to go pro pretty much my entire career, but luckily I've had a lot of different things happen and a lot of coaches hold me back from going professional. And um, now I finally feel like I'm ready. But so it's just been something I've just been thirsting for, for most of my amateur career to finally see that day come and to know that I'm ready. It, it just felt amazing. felt like I was graduating college finally or something. I wouldn't know what that's like, but. Very <laughs> good. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You know, uh, one more question before I toss it over to David. Um, you know, I kind of like to take things a little sideways sometimes. And 
you'll get my thought analogy when, when I'm done with my question. Uh, you go back to your loss against Brooke Mayo, mm-hmm. who, who is another tremendous fighter in her own right. But then you, you, you come back with a win, you have two canceled bouts, and then you have two other great victories. Would Rita Carpenter like to go back and clear that blemish off of her record? Um, there's actually been, we've been scheduled to fight each other a couple of times since then. And, um, whatever has happened, they've fallen through. I don't know. I honestly, I really don't care. (laughs) I'm not, I don't, I don't see a person. I just see an opponent in front of me that there's nothing personal about it. Um, I don't see it as a blemish. I just see it as a learning experience and I've learned and, um, that shows against the other people that I'm going to fight. If I do fight her again, of course, that'd be awesome. Um, but if not, I, I honestly, I don't care about the girls in particular, you know. So, nah, I, I, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> very cool. And I hope you guys can hear me better. I'm sorry it's storming in New Jersey. You guys are very lucky to not be here right now. Do you guys hear me better? Yes. Yeah, that's better. Perfect. Awesome stuff. So, Bree, uh, you're obviously very, very talented, and it's just a testament to not just your talents, but who inspired you and who's training with you and who's in the trenches with you. But if you can name a couple of fighters or any fighter in particular that was your biggest influence, who would you name and what fighter would be the biggest influence in your career? Um, Like on my team or UFC or MMA fighters like – the big yeah. one. Yeah, any fighter past mm. and present. Who would be your biggest influence? Huh. I've always um my favorite fighter's always been Cyborg and then so that's probably the closest I get to somebody who like influences me. Probably because she's like a powerful striker like me and that's what I envision myself as. I don't know, but as far as like inspiration and being influenced, it's really just comes to my teammates. We've got Aston Ladd, uh, Anthony Hernandez, and Max Griffin are probably the three that really influenced me. They're the hardest working ones here. And, yeah, I just I, I love working out with them and strive to be as good as they are. And then, yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't look a whole lot at um, other fighters, big fighters, because I know that they're just going to be my – they're going to be my opponents one day. I know that I'm going to be on that level and everyone's different, you know? So I just, I do the best that I can and be the best me that I can be. Absolutely. And I agree with you. That's, that's a very, very good poignant statement. And if you going on that topic, if you can name anybody right now in women's MMA in your division, who would be someone that you can pick out and you can say her and I would have an amazing fight. Is there any dream opponent that you have right now, as you stand right now, as, as a champion on the Emmys, going into the professionals, going into Evicta, is there any dream opponent that you have right now or someone you would like to face? Um, I don't think about it a whole lot, but one person that's always stood out to me was um, in the in the flyweight division. Was, what's her name? What's her name? She's on suspension right now. She's striker girl. Yeah. Mm. Hit, hit. No, not not Kelly. Um, Andrea Andrea Lee. Yeah, Andrea KGB Lee. Yeah, we'd have a crazy fight. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my fight. God, that would be incredible! Wow, good pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you later. Know, 
I, I think that would be a tremendous, tremendous fight to us. I know Andrea quite well. Um, you know, Bree, I kind of want to do things a little bit different. You know, you, you mentioned that you got into Taekwondo at the age of seven, I believe, and you look at your life as a whole. So your parents were, you know, for you being into the sport at that young of age. What what does it mean to Brita Carpenter dedicating her life to a sport that she loves so much? missed on, or do you feel that your life is 100% full once that cage door locked? Wait, what, what was that last part you cut out? Or do you feel your life is 100% fulfilled once that cage door locks? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I've been really busy my entire life. I have, like, a million different talents, so I'm just, I don't know. As far as my whole life goes, I'm happy with it. There were a few years when I slacked off, did the dumb teenage thing, but um, it's all good now. Everything that I've done, all the sports and all the focus that I had when I was younger has really paid off leading up to this point. And when it comes to that cage door closing, as long as I know that I've trained 100%, 110%, whatever, I've trained my hardest, I've got nothing to worry about when I'm in there. I don't worry anymore at all. I have the most amazing coaches, and I put my heart into it. So, yeah, once that door closes, I'm good. I'm me. I'm confident in myself. Well, you know, it's going to lead me into my next question, which I've asked several fighters just because your thought analogy kind of draws me to this question. You know, you you take, take the gloves off you. You take away fighting just just in whole. When you're sitting, you know, by yourself and you look in the mirror, what does Brita Carpenter see? <laughs> oh, that's a funny question. Um, usually, usually I'm very proud and happy with myself and excited knowing that I'm someone that's going to accomplish anything I want to. That, that sums it up. Very cool. And Bree, also, <laughs> I, I got to bring up, because you have one of the coolest nicknames on the freaking planet. Uh, Tank Girl is, is one of my favorite comic books ever and one of my favorite movies. Were you influenced by <laughs> Tank Girl, and is that the reason why that's your nickname, or did somebody give that to you? No, I wasn't influenced by Tank Girl at all. I actually don't relate with her one bit. I don't like guns. <laughs> I'm not into comics either But so my mom She called me that since I was little Because well she liked the comic And I was a swimmer too And I was actually kind of beefy I'm all skinny now but yeah I was a little tank She called me tank girl my whole life And then out of nowhere one day my my first coach Called me tank girl And so it was like destiny And yeah Yeah I like it <laughs> it's a good nickname. It, it, it's a very, very good nickname. And you're gonna bring yeah. that. You're gonna bring that type of attitude. You're gonna bring that type of uh, of uh, dominance into Invicta when you start. But do we? Do you have a start date or when your next fight is going to be, or any slated opponents, or is anything set in stone yet? Um, as far as Invicta goes, they know that I'm always ready. We're always reminding them I'm ready. I'm ready. So. 
Um, whenever they um, have a match for me that they want to give me, that's when I'll fight for them. But right now it's November 5th in Sacramento. I'm going to be making my pro debut against um, a girl from Brazil who's 2-0. It's going to be really great. It'll be at 125 too. Beautiful. You know, with that being said about unbeatable uh, trainer upcoming fight here in a second, you know, I was there at Invicta 18. I got to shoot your teammate, uh, Aspen Lad. Uh, truly, truly a dominating factor in that weight class. Uh, yeah. Do you get to spend quality, quality training time with Aspen? And if so, is is she one of your your go-to people when when you need pertinent training? Um, yeah, we we train together. We don't train together a whole lot. Our team's really big. And um, all the, yeah, we all have, like, our, our like, go-to people and stuff. But, yeah, there's so many different people to train with. We really don't get a whole lot of rounds of it. When we do, they're definitely quality and uh, tough. <laughs> Almost definitely is. You know, I know Max quite well. Uh, former teammate of yours, Danny Ramirez, I, I used to shoot when he trained out of a storage facility with a mattress in it. And, you know, being able to meet with Dave and and be able to and focus as fighters is a, is a privilege to me. But my next question, looking at Invicta, knowing what Invicta is, is all about and knowing what Shannon Knapp is all about, what does it mean to Brita Carpenter having a promotion, reach out to you knowing that that promotion never cuts any fighters, always is there to back their fighters, and gives them the time that they need to, to straighten out things in their life if needed. What does it mean having a promotion like that reach out to you? Oh, I well, I didn't know until Aspen started fighting there how good they were to their fighters, but they really are just, like, amazing. It seems like they're a big, happy family, and I'm just stoked to be a part of it. Um, yeah, I'm definitely blessed to have them reach out to me and want me to fight on their stage because I know they – they get all the best girls there, so it's cool that they see me in that way. And yeah, I definitely feel like I deserve it, though. And I'm gonna put on a show for them for sure. I'm excited. And to get to that point too, Bree, you, your eight fights—they're actually your ten fights because even you don't lose. You in the sport, you either win or you learn. And obviously, you you lived up to that. Um, your ten fights stood out, obviously, to them, and that's why they signed you. You're you're talented. Everybody knows it, and even Invicta knows it. And you're going to prove it when you step in the ring. But in those ten hell fights, yeah. yeah, hell yeah. And in those ten fights, what would you say in your psyche to build your confidence that you can do this? You can fight at the top level. In those ten fights, which fight would you say was the most important? that built up your confidence that you said, you know what, I can absolutely do this and I can fight at the big stage? Mm, there were a few fights that were like big uh, cornerstones, I guess I would say for me, but probably the, mm, probably the main one would be my fight against Caitlin Neal. I think that was my, that was my second fight at Tough Enough and I want to say it was my seventh fight. Five, five, one, five. Okay, it was my sixth fight. Yeah. Um, it was just like a big stage. It was at Mayhem and Mesquite. My opponent was bigger than me. She, like, it, it was scary. <laughs> and um, I went, and that was 
one of the first fights I really saw, like, a lot of my striking attributes come out. Like, she um, – because she put me in a little bit of danger, and I really had to adjust my game while I was in there. And so I completely changed my game plan while I was in there. And so that, that, like, proved to myself that I can adapt and I'm aggressive and just watching that, like – seeing what I can do it was it was just different and at that point I just had loads of confidence and I fought Brooke after that felt great felt fought for fighter source after that got another head kick TKO and yeah it's just been great since then just a different type of confidence for sure absolutely as a fighter in everybody every fighter psyche you're your biggest fan and your your biggest critic. Like you, sometimes you don't even need fans in mixed martial arts, and you don't even need critics in mixed martial arts because you yourself, your criticism of yourself to always strive for better, and your 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 belief in yourself is what got you to the show in the first place. But if you can point out something that you would need to work on, something that you need to focus on the most, or something that you can focus on your style or your game, what do you think you need to do? in order to get that world championship, in order to get another championship around your waist? Um, uh, everything. Just keep improving <laughs> at everything. Like, being a striker, I, I, I've always spent tons of time on the ground working that because that's what I have to worry about most. But I don't even worry about it anymore. So at this point, it's like, yeah, just keep improving everything. Like, don't ever settle, which I never do. Actually, the thing about being your own critic, I am horrible. One of my coaches, Jim West, actually gets on me for being too hard on myself. So, yeah, I definitely don't need anybody else criticizing me. <laughs> I don't need an audience or anybody. I'm so hard on myself, and I'm a perfectionist. And so, yeah, I just keep just keep working everything, including conditioning, this lifting, ground game, striking, everything. I never settle. I'm never happy. And that's just going to keep making me better. Words of a champion. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Reed, I got one more question before I'll, I'll let David go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, listen to you speak about teammates, your family, and in life in general. Um, I, I've got a profound respect for you. So, last question. If there was a statement that you could make to the the young, not just girls, but the, the young boys and girls uh, that are getting into sport that look up to you, what would that message be, Bria? Um, I would think if you love fighting, you love getting punched in the face, and you love punching other people, don't feel bad. There's a safe place where you can do it consensually, and a lot of people are going to tell you that it's bad for you and that it's barbaric, but I disagree with them. And if you're passionate about fighting, you can totally hone those skills and learn and become successful and make a lot of money in doing so. So freaking go for it. Don't listen to them. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, Bree, I'm going to let you go get back to your busy day. Of course, I, we appreciate you coming on and talking to us. You're just as cool yeah. as talking to you. And you're such a, a, a – again, I can't even stress it. You're a testament to how hard you work and how much you put into your career. But is there anyone, any sponsors you want to give a shout-out to, any teammates you want to give a shout-out to, anything that you want to plug to the floor is yours? Um, just November 5th, 
NorCal Fight Series at uh, Metro City Soccer in Sacramento. I'll be making my professional debut against the Do and Own opponent. It's going to be awesome. Um, you can, if you're local, you can hit me up on Facebook about it, uh, message me, get tickets and all of that. And I just want to thank MMA Gold, um, sponsors, Coach Doug, Coach Doug Condition and Nutrition, and I believe that's it. Very cool, Gree. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Gree. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. It's been a privilege. Thank you, Bree. All right, bye-bye. Bree Carpenter, very cool lady. Oh, you know, it's a true testament, like I stated. You know, it's every MMA gold fighter that I have have interviewed has truly been – a great interview, whether they're green or whether they're, you know, they're seasoned like Brita, uh, you truly get a basic understanding of what MMA gold is impacting on them and and it's in turn being shown in the sport. You know, she kind of mentioned Coach Doug there. That, you know, it's no secret that if you're training with Coach Doug, you need to have a chum bucket by yes, uh, you know, I've interviewed him before, and he's quite eloquent, but uh, he he really puts it on the fighters to get it done. Yeah, I agree. And she's putting a lot of time and energy and focus in her career. And you can tell when she talks. You know, when she told me that – when she told us, rather, that she's her biggest critic, that does, that is pointed out. That's, that's the fighter in anybody, you know, and she has that fighter spirit. She – learn from her mistakes. She's learned from her losses. And I can't stress enough, you either win or you learn in the sport. And especially look at the tear she's been on. She just knocked out her last opponent in seconds. This, this girl is going to be a phenom. And especially when she gets into a victa, you know, it's, it's, all bets are off, my friend. She, those girls are in trouble. She's, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Almost definitely. You know, I, I looked firsthand at Aspen Ladd. I had brought her on radio several months ago before I actually had seen her fight just to the the sheer uh, word that was being you know spread about this fighter and so when I went to Invicta 18 and I saw this warrior because that's what she is she she truly dominated this fight and was truly you know gosh she just captured my my attention so much that I had to have my son videotape the fight. It was it was truly a great moment for MMA Gold. Now looking at UFC two you know two or two, they got Max Griffin fighting this weekend, who's a, another good buddy of mine at MMA Gold. And now you got Brita Carpenter going to Invict. It's tremendous. But I, th- I think you have we you have a little announcement, don't you, there, David? Oh yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it, Don and. Uh... We're talking about fire spirit, and we're talking about the sport and how much we love the sport. And what what people don't know, too, is I was once a fighter, and I've practiced sport for quite some time. I've loved the sport my entire life. And, you know, it, it, in our ripe old age, you and I, Don, you know, you don't get much of a window to do what you love. And uh, am I coming in clear, by the way, Don? Is it better oh, now? Yeah, yeah much okay. better. Sorry, guys, for all of our listeners, it's storming in New Jersey, and I apologize. But, you know, it's, this is everything I've loved since I was a baby. You know, Don's been doing this since I was in diapers. Well, when I was in diapers, that's when I, you know, at the young, tender age, I started watching UFC. 
I started watching Mike Tyson. I started watching boxing. I started watching Prince Nassim Hamed, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, all the greats, and it inspired me so much that, you know, this is a dream that I want to chase too. But again, window is only open so far, and I'm getting older. I'm almost 30, and I want to, you know, make babies. I want to com- complete my career. I want to continue Dream Elite and do incredible things for the sport. And before that happens and before I let it go, I'm actually going to do one more fight in January. That is what it's slated for. So January 2007, I'm just healing up from a surgery. And this is the healthiest I've been since 2005. And before I turn 30, before I do this, before I can move, put the score aside and put this dream out of my head, I need to actually get it beaten out of my head. So I'm going to be starting training camp very soon. And January 2017, I'm shooting to have one more fight. Uh, I can't give any details yet. We have to keep it under wraps. I know my opponent. I know where it's going to be. I know what, exactly how it's going to play out. And I'm going to be training hard. And, you know, this is going to be impossible. It's going to be an impossible task. And that's why, you know, I, I've given my life to this sport. And I haven't given everything yet. And i got to give one last – I want to give one great performance to this sport before I can leave it alone and be a fan again. Oh, you know, you you could say leave it alone. I, I've said that for the last 15 years, bro. Uh, this sport, you can say you're leaving the sport all you want. Just you don't decide when to leave the sport. This sport decides when to leave you. But you know, kudos on going out there and and getting your last fight in. You know, to kind of make you feel complete. But you're you're going to be a part of this sport for a long time to come, whether it be with Dream Elite Pro, whether it be through a podcast, whether it be, whatever it may be, you're you're not leaving this sport anytime soon. I've I've said that thousands of times, and you know, here we are in 2016, and I'm still here. You know, uh, it's something that once the sport gets in you, you're never going to leave it. You'll always be a part of it, one way or another. Absolutely. Absolutely, and that's that, that's what I'm talking about, though, because my dream also, not just involved in getting in business in mixed martial arts, which everyone called me in crazy, and everybody said there's no much. I remember one guidance counselor, and for all you folks at home listening, I loved MMA so far. I was the only guy in school wearing cap-out T-shirts. You know, like back in 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, I was wearing cap-out T-shirts, and people were like, what the hell is cap-out? You know, I, I brought to a guidance counselor because I used to write out ideas in this green notebook about how to start a business in MMA. And of course I wrestled my entire life. I've also dabbled in boxing and Muay Thai and all that fun stuff. And my guidance counselor said there is no money. There will never be many money in cage fighting. And that always stuck in my head. It, she it pretty much said it was impossible. And look at now dreamily is as profitable as ever been. And I'm part a small, tiny speck of a bigger pitcher, which is the sport is now the fastest growing sport in the world. So my dream was not just to have a business in MMA, but also be in the cage. And I fought. I definitely fought. Uh, smoker fights, I can't even name how many times I, I was locked in a cage in a smoker fight because, again, it was very hard to find a fight at 125. And with, as a testament, my last two fights were losses. And it was, one was for a title which one guy backed out and I had to fight a 145 pounder when I weighed in at 126. And again, same concept, same as before. I had to fight a heavier guy, but if you can't beat them, you can't beat big men, join them. So 
in the meantime, what people don't know is I actually have been training and I actually put on 20 pounds and now I'm 145 and I told my opponent because he was, I res- he respects me so much that he wants to beat the living crap out of me because I want that. I want my last fight to go out in a last hurrah. I told him to get comfortable at 145 because I'm meeting his big ass there. And within two weeks, I mean two months, with the help of my girlfriend, I was able to put on the 20 pounds and I actually stepped on the scale at 147. So I'm leaving. I, I, want one, I want to give the sport everything I have. And I owe the sport some blood. And I'm more than willing to give it. I owe the sport a lot more than that. And before I can take that dream out of the cage and be a fan and a business owner and all that fun stuff and be a podcast host with the great Don McGuire, I got to know. I got to get that out of my system. And January 2017, if all the stars align, which I think they're well, this is what it's slated for. I know my opponent. I know what I'm capable of. I know I've been the healthiest I've been for a very long time. And this is going to be the first time I step in the cage in five years. I've done pro wrestling and everyone said it was impossible that a little guy like me could do pro wrestling. And I sold out the crowd three times, and I also put on wonderful performances, which I got reviewed. I'm planning to do the impossible again, step in that cage and give the sport I love, the people I love, like you, Don, and give everything I got. You, us together, the, the underdogs, we're going to accomplish the impossible. So January 2017, boys and girls, I'm back, and I'm back in training. Uh, August 29th, because I just got done with a sinus surgery, if people don't know that, clear out my sinuses and make sure I'm 100% because that's what I owe the sport. I'm not going to show up half-assed. I'm not showing up just to lose. I'm not, I'm not a benchmark for anybody. I'm going to give that guy, because I respect him too, I'm going to give the guy a run for his money. And I'm going to come well-prepared to give the sport everything I got, the remainder of what I got January 2017. Well, you know, you spoke so eloquently that with your passion that uh, a certain individual that, we had touched on earlier has just reached out to me and I don't know what you, what you're going to think about this but uh Cycle Gear would like to be your sponsor for your fight. No kidding. I would I would love to do that. I would abs- I I talked to him. He's a brilliant individual and I've seen his gear and I've seen what he's all about and I even offered to sell the gear when we start selling guys cuz you you know me we've been in business for quite some time Don. You know that I sold other people's gear but then I had to go solo because it's something I need to know for myself. So I went solo and selling Dream Elite gear and everything successful with that. Now it's not about money anymore. Now it's not about proving a point or getting my name out there. This is, you know, what, what it was about when I was losing money hand over fist when I first started Dream Elite, and you were with me in the trenches too, Don. It's not about the money. It's not about a fight. It's not about anything. You know, uh, Cycle Gear doesn't even have to pay me. I'll still probably wear his patch on my, on my, my shorts. I'm, I, I love this sport more than anything. I love the people involved. I love Cycle Gear. I love the brands. I'm Miracle on 34th Street. If you don't like the shirts that are in my store, please shop somewhere else because as long as you're contributing money and helping the sport grow, that's all I care about. And I, I'd be honored to wear Psycho, Psycho Gear's patch. Oh, most definitely. They, they reached out to me during this program, and I just facilitated a message and uh, – as you know, as you stated, you, you guys have spoken with each other. You're both eloquent men. You're both great businessmen. I'm sure you'll come to an agreement and work something out. Uh, but looking looking forward into this show a little bit, you know, I, I will say, you know, I do get a little bit nervous interviewing our next guest. It's, it's something that 
is it's dumbfounding to me. You know, but there's quite a few people in this business that I've interviewed, but only very few have I ever been humbled by. And our next guest when we bring him on is truly one of those types of characters, and that being Joe Warren, who's truly humbled me in the in the plight that he's making in this sport. And to still be here and be the icon in Bellator like he is, is is truly amazing to me as a person in the sport, as I'm sure it is to the fans of the sport. Yeah. And Joe, Joe Warren, too, is – and what I touched upon, too, Joe Warren never started – he was he was a wrestler and a very, very talented wrestler that Pan American Games gold medalist, world championships, world cup, world, uh, gold medalist. Then he went into Dream, and I don't know if it was his first few fights, but he fought Kim Yamamoto. And if you haven't heard of Kim Yamamoto – that guy's a legend, and Joe Warren cleaned his clock and gave him a, a run for his money. Joe Warren, who was relatively new to the sport, and just a, he was more than just a wrestler when he stepped in that, in that ring in Dream, and he's built up such a, a, a reputation for himself as a winner, as a champion. He has won championship after championship in Bellator. He's a staple in Bellator. He's, as, he's a part of the fabric of Bellator. This guy is an absolute legend. When you talk about Bellator, you cannot not talk about Joe Warren because this guy is as much a part of Bellator, as much of a part of the sport as any fabric of any ring that you've ever seen in any octagon. This guy's a monster. This guy's an absolute beast, and I can't wait to talk to him. I'm a little bit nervous myself. <laughs> well, you know, you're talking the baddest man on the planet. You know, a lot of people, you know, don't truly understand the persona, but you know, when I, I guarantee you at Bellator 161, when he steps in against Kakai, they're truly going to know who the baddest man on the planet is. Uh, you look at Joe Warren, not not just the, the cage fighter, but Joe Warren the wrestler, Joe Warren the man. I mean, you go back. And you just look at this individual as a whole, and it just reaps of a tremendous warrior who's had great success and the, the backing of many. But he's he's proven himself to be a dominant force in Bellator for years. And, you know, I truly think that the the baddest man on the planet is, is what he truly deserves to be called. Yeah. And uh, that name, he lives up to it every single day. And outside of the cage, too, because he has a beautiful family. He lives by a set code, a set morals. He stands by his morals. He stands by his beliefs. So he's a champion just as much as he is in the octagon as he is outside of it. And he, the sky's the limit for him. Cause, uh, and we talked about impossible tasks, but it seems like Joe Warren, every time he's faced with one, you know, he's, he's always triumphed. And that, that's so it, – it's so cool to watch, and it was so cool to watch his fights. I, I remember him fighting a very hungry, very dangerous Chase BB in Dream. And, again, that was, a, that was a hell of a fight. That was an amazing fight for someone that was new to the sport. And then seeing Joe Warren now, 
who's still putting together strings of victories, who's still doing the same thing he did all throughout his life and all throughout his career and his life inside and outside the octagon, he wins. He's a winner. And it's, it's good for listeners to listen to a winner. And if anyone can inspire you, it's going to be Joe Warren. And I can't wait to talk to him. It, I, I don't even know what – there's so many questions to ask. Like, what, what, what should I possibly ask the champ? Like, you, you know what I'm saying, Don? Oh, yeah, you know uh... – you know, even though he, if you look at his career, you know, the last couple outings, has, they've been less than favorable. But you look at it as as I do. It's a learning experience. I, I never look at it as a loss. You know, one thing that has truly made a profound impact to me is, is never to look at it as a loss. Always look at it as a learning experience, whether it be in the cage or something that happens in your life. And, you know, the true testament is being able to pick yourself back up and continue with what you love and and what makes you great. And Jill Warren has done that time and time again. And it's truly been heartfelt to, to watch this man's career emulate over time. And to be one of the few that is privileged to interview him is, is a feather in my cap, bro. Yeah. And you interviewed some top-notch guys, and Joe Warren falls right in the top echelon of any person you've ever talked to. And you talked to some big, big names, my friend, and Joe Warren right at the tippy-top, <laughs> right there. And and can I just stress for a second that, you know, I, you're talking, besides Daniel Cormier with such a wrestling pedigree, this guy has a wrestling pedigree to boot, and he, any 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 facet of his life, you can compare to any great whatsoever, and he is that great. He is that damn good. And Joe Warren, I, I I'm starstruck. You know, it's it gonna be starstruck to actually talk to him. He's he's a legend in Bellator. He's a legend in MMA. So uh, I can't wait to get him on, and he should be coming on momentarily. So I'm excited, Don. I'm excited. And you talk some big names too, Don. You you're pretty nervous too, right? Yeah, you know. Uh... God, I've I've interviewed everybody from the rising world champion to legends of the sport, and you, as you mentioned, Daniel Cormier and uh, Liam McGeary and so on. And very few people do I get oh just a, a tad bit nervous. Uh, it, it's just it's no it's not that it's more of a respect thing for Jill Warren. It's just that I truly see and and appreciate the unique individual that he is and what he brings to life in general and the true family man and the the charisma that, that surrounds him just kind of has me just a little bit in awe. You know, I would kind of say Joe Warren, even though I've interviewed him you know, before, this is, a, this is a bucket list show for me. Yeah. Yep, definitely is. And um, I can't mention enough good things to say about him, I can't mention enough good things to say about you talking to him because if anyone's going to be able to pick his brain and ask him just the right questions and different questions than anybody else has ever asked him, he very, very rarely, seldomly takes podcast interviews. And that's, that's a testament to you, Don. And that's a testament. Yeah, I think he respects your knowledge about the score as much as we're going to respect his. So, you know, that's, you're absolutely right in your assessment. And I'm going to be I'm going to be shell-shocked, too, when he comes on and I'm asking him questions, then he blows my mind with knowledge. I mean, 
just picking his brain, the idea of picking his brain and how much he knows about the sport. He, he probably could share stories upon stories. And this would be good, too, for young MMA li- listeners, for the younger crowd to listen, because he pretty much wrote the blueprint of how to tackle your life and how to tackle your MMA career with, with pride, with passion, with uh, charisma. You know, he's, he's a testament to that. And speaking of which, Don, I'll let you introduce uh, our next guest. Well, without further ado, um, probably one of the greatest men in combat sports, in my opinion, as far as being an icon uh, and continuing to strive to bring remarkable charisma and talent to the cage, truly Mr. Bellator himself, the baddest man on the planet, Joe Warren. Joe, how are you doing this evening? Hold on one second. Having some technical difficulties, boys and girls. Getting Joe on right now. I was going to say, because you hit me a second ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, give me one second, guys. Yeah, I think I'm good now. Can you guys hear me? Yes, Yes, we can. All right. said I was unmuted. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, (laughs) Appreciate being back. You know... Sir, it truly is an honor and a privilege to just have you on the show. You're a true testament to the sport. You know, I kind of want to start my questioning off back like I did before, just to catch people up to date. You know, you were a tremendous wrestler in the day. You were probably one of the best, in my opinion, in your weight class. But we kind of touched on what Joe Warren truly loved in the wrestling aspect. And just a little bit last time, you kind of filled us in on your love for Greco-Roman wrestling. What drew Joe Warren to the passion of wrestling and what kept him enthralled in the sport? In the wrestling or in the Greco-Roman? In the Greco-Roman. Probably all about, all about it, huh? Yes, um, you know, I, I just remember, um, you know, I, I always had a plan to win the world championships or be a world champ or Olympic champ. Um, ever since I was, I think, in like fifth grade, I remember winning, uh, or fifth or sixth grade, I remember winning a uh, state championship, and Steve Frazier was there, our um, uh, Olympic uh, coach, and he um, was the first gold medalist, and he put his gold medal on my neck, took a picture with me, and I remember... Um, him telling me I could do that if I wanted to. And I remember writing all those, I remember writing all the reports and doing everything for the next like six, eight years, writing how I was going to win a world title. And it it was just something that, you know, clicked in me early age. So, and then me moving after college, um, I think the coach was Steve Frazier, you know, so it was just, uh, and he went to University of Michigan and I went there. And so they offered me an opportunity to come out and wrestle on the Olympic Greco-Roman team. So I came out and switched uh, sport, switched sports again to, from uh, collegiate or freestyle to Greco, and uh, it, it paid off, but it took some work. Most definitely, sir. Now, looking forward, Bellator 161, you know, I, I think this is going to be a, a predominant night for Joe Warren, in my opinion. What has Joe Warren done? to prepare, prepare for this upcoming battle with Takai. Yeah, you know, I mean, I just, uh, I've been, I'm a, last fight was strange, you know, I mean, uh, we're the in the most unpredictable sport in the business, 
Um, I was the best fighter I've ever been that night. I tore my MCL that first takedown, and, you know, things go when things go wrong in that cage, it goes bad. So, uh, you know, you can't really say much about that. So, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a better fighter now than I've ever been. I've been just uh, – I'm trained and uh, a little more of a veteran to the sport, and it's, um, it's a little more comfortable for me to compete in there, a little more comfortable. So, um, hopefully I'm looking, you know, every time, I, you know, like every single fighter, we're always trying to look a little better on our finishes to make sure that our striking combinations are crisp and that our takedowns are on point. So I'm just uh, looking for another perfect fight, make sure a big win for me here so I can get an opportunity to get a, uh, uh, that belt back here, hopefully get a shot at Dantes after this fight here. Absolutely. And, Joe, by the way, it's a huge honor talking to you. I've been watching you since uh, Kid Yamimoto, your fight in Dream, where you had a, a remark- <laughs> and you had a remarkable fight, and you caught my radar. And what was so remarkable, and if I can go in detail how great you are for a second, what caught my radar <laughs> – Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Like, let me sing your praises, good sir, because what caught my radar is <laughs> Kid Yamimoto, dangerous in every way. You are coming fresh off of wrestling and all that good stuff. Taking that fight, dangerous opponent, you pretty much accomplished the impossible. And that was amazing to for me as a young kid to watch that. And more importantly, too, you're finding out about your wrestling pedigree, especially Greco-Roman, because I grew up – I'm a, I've been a wrestler since I was a wee baby, since I was out of the womb. And I grew mm-hmm. up watching the great wrestlers like Matt Linden and Ruin Garner, watching the miracle on the mat. When – during your – astonishing wrestling career where you won the Pan American Games World Cup. When during your wrestling career did you say, I want to trans- make the transformation and get into mixed martial arts? Yeah, you know, it was um, right after uh, probably my world title I won in Greco. And, um, you know, I was – my uh, my uh, captains on our team was those people you talked about, you know, Matt Lindland, Luan Gardner, uh, Randy Couture, uh, Dan Henderson, they were all our captains on our team right before uh, they, uh, when they left, they went and started fighting and we won a world title. So uh, we would go and watch them fight in Japan and go root them on, things like that. We weren't fighting at the time, me and King Mo and things like that. We would travel over there and see that. And um, I never thought about fighting. I just happened to be on the top of uh, ass or snow mast and I got a, a call from uh, Henderson said he had a fight for me. And I said, I don't fight. And he said, you know, you're not doing anything right now. <laughs> you're about to have a baby. Get your ass over here. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to fight anyone. You know, he's like, it's 25 grand. Get on the plane and get over here. So I jumped on a plane and flew to Temecula. And Heath and Dan trained me for, I think we trained for like seven or eight days and then flew over there. So it was uh, it was a kind of a rough deal. I, I think I fought, uh, who did I fight? Uh, Chase Beebe first. It was a world, uh, the featherweight world uh, championship. So I fought Chase Beebe first. He just lost his belt to Miguel Torres, I remember. I I was just reading all this stuff. I I didn't know who any of these people were. And then um, I beat him, and then a month later, they had me fight this kid, Yamamoto. And, and, um, you know, know, the guy was a great fighter. Uh, There's like 100,000 people in there. You know, he was... Um, I just didn't know how to fight. I just didn't know how to lose. I wasn't going to let some guy my same size try to beat me. Um, so <laughs> I, this is before I had the respect for mixed martial arts. 
Um, and, you know, so I just pushed the button and uh, pulled the trigger and just got the job done. You know, it was, it was just another, um, a match international match for me at that time, the way I put, uh, you know, the way I was, um, focused on it. It wasn't really a fight for me. Absolutely. And just, we're going to take another step back. And you, obviously you had have had some influences to get into wrestling. Of course, I love Bruce Baumgartner's of the world. I love the Brandon Slays. I love every single wrestler that has won gold for a country or won a medal for a country. Uh, can you go back in time and actually say which wrestler was the most influential for you? And then actually which fighter became the most influential for you to get into mixed martial arts and say, that's the wrestler, that's the career I want to follow and that's the MMA career I want to follow. What two fighters? fighters yeah, I think in wrestling, you know, in wrestling, I think I, um, I was a Midwestern boy, you know, from Michigan. So I, I mean, I really learned a lot about who I was and how to become a champion at the University of Iowa as a kid. Uh, Lincoln McAravey, the Brands Brothers, um, uh, Coach Gable, you know, they were they were really good friends of mine. They they took care of me. You know, I would stay out there for three, you know, like four to five weeks every single summer and just work with them and they teach me. And so I learned what it meant to be a champion at that point. That was some of the best teams in wrestling and um, just came back and always had a, you know, like a stick up my ass to make sure I won. I hated to lose. It took something from me. So, you know, it was just a will to win. It was more that I figured out how strong mentally I could be. And if I could control my mind, I could control the outcome of anything. And so when I was in the, uh, I, I learned this at an early age. And once you learn a thing like that and it starts to work, you know, it just, uh, it's, it, you know, it's just a confidence issue from that point on. You know, Joe, I, I kind of want to take things in a different path, you know, being that you are an old school uh, icon in Bellator, something has been, you know, touted and being created in the sport as we speak right now. And Scott Coker is even one that's behind it. But I want to get a true legend's opinion of what what does Joe Warren think of the fighters' union, and does he think it's going to hinder or help the fighters in the sport as a whole? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, you know, unions, uh, first things first, getting the Ali Act fast. Um, you know, I do a podcast every week with uh, Sean Wheelock and Ben uh, Askren, uh, lineup MMA. We talk a lot with go- uh, the governors and the, the, the congressmen that are trying to push this Ali Act through, and that would give us a lot of credibility, you know, ground to stand on. Uh, the unions come after that. And, you know, um, I think, yeah, I mean, um, our, we, people keep forgetting how young our sport is. You know, it's the youngest sport. Um, it's the lar- largest growing sport in the world, but it's super young. I mean, we're 20 years into this, and um, you look at any other kind of pro sport, basketball, baseball, football, I mean, it, was, it, change, it changes drastically when the unions come and when – when, um, you know, there's more rules and safety issues and things like that. So I think the union, I personally, hopefully that helps. I'll do whatever I can to, to get that passed. I think all the athletes will be um, definitely uh, positive, um, um, you know, a push for this union. I think actually everyone will be involved, the coaches, the, you know, I think um, 
everyone will, will benefit from the union. I think even the uh, even um, the UFC and Bellator, all all of the small pro- promotions. I'm just not sure how it works with all the different promotions together. There might be a union in one league, um, but you know to unionize everything is gonna be real tough. Most definitely, you know, I agree. But looking looking at Bellator as a whole and how they've stood behind the fighters just in general with allowing the sponsorships and now Scott Coker coming out publicly and stating that he himself is uh, for the union and, and for the Muhammad Ali Act in instilled in the sport of MMA. What does that mean to Joe Warren being that you're a stable fighter for Bellator and Bellator pays so much respect in in that regard to their fighters? Well, yeah, you know, Bellator, I've said it, it's a, it's a one-off, you know, it's a different organization. We're owned by Viacom. We've all, we're always able to, they always have an eye on moving forward and we've moved up every single year. And I think, um, you know, Scott Coker is, uh, is the face of Bellator and he makes the right decisions and he's, he's moving the needle and he has all the right ideas. And I trust everything he said, you know, I, he's never done anything wrong or, um, everything he's ever said to me has been true. So, you know, I think if he's behind this thing, it's going to help a lot. And it's, uh, it's always nice to have, a a quality boss behind you, uh, knowing that they're running the ship and it's moving forward the way it's supposed to. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's Bellator. The one cool thing with Bellator it changes all the time. You know, it's free. Um, there's a, you know, the, the salt of the earth loves Bellator. Those are my, that's my fan base. So, you know, I've loved being part of Bellator and from the beginning and watching it change and being, you know, a headliner still and hopefully hear uh, another world title holder here in the next year. And it's, uh, it's an honor to be uh, able to sport that Bellator banner. And you're not just, and what's cool about you, Joe, is you're not just, a member of Bellator, just the re- a regular person who just came into Bellator and is fighting. You're you're a, a part of Bellator as the fabric in the octagon. You step into fight, and what I appreciate so much about you is you just you not only went into Bellator, but you are the first multiple time champion, and you wore one championship in multiple weight classes. Did you see your career playing out like that, that you were actually going to go to Bellator? Because usually the end game goal for everybody, the typical answer here is I want to get to the UFC. I want to get to the UFC. However, with you, you've remained a staple of Bellator and won their titles multiple times. Is this the next, are you pretty much going to stay in Bellator for the remainder of your career, win a couple more world titles, and then retire gracefully from the sport? Or is there any other things that you have on your mind? Because you already accomplished so much. What else is next for you to accomplish, or what else is on your bucket list? Yeah, you know, I mean, um, it's one fight at a time, and my my goal here is to finish this man on the 16th of September. Uh, And then after that, I get my eyes, you know, back on that belt, on that prize. You know, uh, my careers in MMA are like a roller coaster. It's hard to uh, ride that thing unless you're a veteran, you understand? And, um, you know, you got to understand it, it goes up and down. And now I'm on my way back up, and that's the most violent part for me. Uh, so I, I'm focused, and I'm healthy, and I'm and I'm violent, and that means uh, there'll be another belt on my waist here. I've fought for Bellator strictly um, because they've paid me and they've taken care of me. You know, I'm a money fighter and a prize fighter, and uh, Be- Bellator 
um, promised me things and kept their promises. And I fought in Japan first and thought I would stay there. I never really had a focus on the UFC. Uh, they didn't really want to pay me early on, so we just kind of put them under the rug, you know, and move forward. Um, and I watch, I mean, being part of an organization like this and watching it grow in the last five years and being a, a major part of it is, is also an honor. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I bleed red, white, and blue and maize and blue. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a team player here. So, so it's nice to be part of an organization that keeps building and, um, and me being on top still. So it's, it's kind of fun. I mean, we, we all fought me, Pitbull, we all fought the, uh, the end of the first season of Bellator, you know? So, so it was, it's kind of, it's kind of cool for us um, all still to be fighting for them and to be on top. Very cool. And there's nothing I can tell you that you don't already know. Like, uh, as a wrestler, that one time, that one pinfall as a child or in high school that you said to yourself and built confidence within that said, yeah, I can be a world champion. I can be a champion. I can do this. Is there any fight that sticks out in your mind that you won or any fight, even even in defeat, because you either win or you learn that with anything in life and any aspect? Do you Is there one fight you can point out in particular that you said – that this is more this is important for my confidence and when you won that fight you said yeah i can absolutely do this and i can become a world champion and be the legend i am right now as i talk to you uh guys on the podcast yeah you know i mean uh that's that's the thing with the road that i took you know they threw on some cement boots on me and threw me in the deep end um and that was a choice that i made you know i was not i watched a lot of fighting and understood that it was it was not smooth it was not a smart thing to do was fight you know, I always had a, I always had a, I didn't fight in college. I had a nice shirt and a hot chick with me. I didn't want to lose either one of them. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I had to, I had to wrestle in the morning. So I never thought about fighting. And so for me to fight, I, we jumped directly into the deepest waters. I fought the world title, uh, first three fights for, for a world title and then went right into Bellator, fought a tournament, fought Karhani and fought, fought everybody. So I didn't really get an opportunity to learn how to fight until like just recently uh, in the last few years. And uh, so those fights were, um, I was pulling everything I had out to win those fights. I was not a fighter at that time. I was still a wrestler. So that was all heart and all drive. So all those fights, every time I'd win one of those fights, I'd be like, I'll never do this again, you know, and, <laughs> and then, then we'd do it again, you know, and I'm like, Jesus, they need to stop paying me so I can get a job, you know, and they, they just haven't, you know, so it's, um, I feel, you know, now I think these fights later in my career right now, these are the ones I'm proud of. If I can win these fights, you know, I'm technically sound now. You know, I believe I should be able to pull the trigger and be offensive and finish fighters. And if not, there's a problem. And I can do that. I just need to do it. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, you don't fight that much like you wrestle. You wrestle like twice a week live uh, in competitions. And here, you know, you fight like 15 times in five years. You know, it's not a lot. So um, it's funny. You know, I, I'm an, I know I'm a veteran, but I feel kind of like energized, like it's a new career because I'm on my way back up. So I'm excited to, uh, I think all these new fights are the ones I'm more, most uh, proud of. You know, the ones before I kind of just assumed I was going to fight. I was too arrogant to uh, of the mixed martial arts. You know, I didn't I didn't really understand how dangerous jujitsu and striking was. I was just moving forward and wasn't going to be stopped. You know, so hopefully this next fight will be my most uh, memorable and impressive. <laughs> Very cool. With that being said, Joe, you know, 
we, we talked about very many things, and one thing I keep hearing pop up, and 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 you're saying is, you know, when I get that belt, what would that mean to Joe Warren, the man, to have that belt around around his waist again, if if you do beat Sakai? Yeah, you know, it's it's just satisfying. You know, it's just satisfying for me. You put work in. You know, um, you know, I, I'm a family man, so it's a job for me. You know, this is a, it's different from a lot of people. I'm not a young fighter. This is a job for me. You know, uh, it's it, it affects my life if I win or lose. It's not like just a problem with my heart. You know, so I just I just believe uh, I don't know how to compete if I'm not competing at the top of top of the level. If I don't have a belt on my waist, I'm not really sure why I'm doing it. You understand? I've I've done uh, enough like uh, what you guys talked about. What's next for me? I've accomplished everything. You know, I'm still fighting. It's a job. I want to win, impress myself. And I think. You know, me just being a have being able to have the honor of win, seeing uh, win this on the September 16th, and then get an opportunity to fight Dantes for a belt. I mean, that's great. And the reason I say that is when when I put that in my mind, I'm focused on getting the job done. So if if that comes around, then it'll just be another goal that we've been thinking about for a while. So um, it'll just be really satisfying again. Now, I'm going to kind of take things, Joe. As you know, I always. I go a little bit backwards into family. Now, we're, we're friends on Facebook and right. other things, and you know, you you post a lot about your family, which I find very refreshing, very intriguing. What does it mean to Joe Warren, the baddest man on the planet, to have such a tremendous family and wife backing him every step of the way? Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a team here, you know. I don't do this by myself. You know, I'm the baddest man on the planet because of my wife too. You know, I mean, I uh, I've never won a title before, a world title before, uh, you know, before my wife came around. And then, um, you know, it's nice to have a supporting cast. You guys know that, you know, to be able to have someone you can trust behind you. She's not the most sensitive person. She doesn't deal with loss well. She expects a lot from me because, um, you know, I put a lot into it, you know, and she knows how hard it is for me. So it's awesome to have that support cast. My my kids, Xander and Maddox, they start school tomorrow. They're eight and six, um, and they know daddy's got to fight, and it's just part of the deal, you know. They they um, don't know anything else about it. And it's it's, it's uh, You know, it's an honor to have that support cast, you know, to have Mark Montoya, my coach, to have Bob Forrester, to have, you know, just the people that love me behind me. Oh, they, they give me everything, and then all I need to do is perform. So, you know, it's it's a really comfortable, comfortable feeling. And you know what's cool, Joe, about you is that you're a champion outside of the cage as much as you are inside the cage. And you have a beautiful family. Uh, you have two younger boys. Um, so one question I do have, because when I was six years old, my dad pretty much dragged my butt on the mat and said, you know, time to wrestle, kid. And that's how it went. Would you want your sons also to follow in your footsteps? Would you be comfortable with them following your footsteps as a wrestler, perhaps going into MMA? And what would, advice would you pass on to them that you learned throughout your wrestling and your MMA career? Yeah, my, my son Xander is eight, and I have a daughter, Maddox, that's, uh, that's six. And, oh, I'm so uh, sorry. She, uh, yeah, yeah, no problem. They, 
You know, I um, my wife yells at me, makes me feel bad all the time. Oh, you're <laughs> you're world's best, the best man on the planet, and your kid doesn't know wrestling. And I'm like, what? you know, like they they know wrestling, okay? Like um, they know how to wrestle. They know how to. They go to practice and they do jujitsu and they do muay thai and they wrestle and they play soccer and they, you know, I'm letting them do everything. They uh, and uh, they, you know, um, I guess. Um, I'd kind of say before the last uh, years here, I don't know if I'd let my daughter wrestle, but now wrestling the way it's going and how tough the women are and the kind of support these countries are giving the women's wrestling. I mean, I can definitely see me and my daughter. So if one, one of those kids decide to throw it down, it might be her. <laughs> I think so. Uh, my, Xander's real smart and tall and, you never know. You know, if I was six feet tall, I'd be a multi-millionaire. I always say that. So, you know, I would give my kids the advice of, you know, always believing in, this, in themselves, you know. I mean, understanding how strong their mind is and understanding if they believe in something and they put their mind to it, that they can achieve it. And uh, and I'll work a lot of goal setting with them. You know, I believe kids need more goal setting in their life. They need to understand what short-term, long-term goals are understand how to achieve those goals, those short-term goals, so they can feel good about themselves during the days. And those long-term goals, you know, should never be achieved. And if they do achieve those goals, it changes those uh, kids and those athletes to different people. So I just think um, those are the kind of advices that I'll, I'll, I'll hope, hopefully uh, pass off to my kids. Very true. And words of a uh, truer words have never been more said more eloquently. Um, so, now that we, we know what you would say to your kids and what knowledge that you gained during your career, what knowledge also, for the young kids that, like, go into your, your school or kids that are trying to get into mixed martial arts, and you've been through it all. There's nothing you haven't seen. There's no stone unturned. And if, if there is a stone there, you're going to turn it over anyway because you're a go-getter. But is there any advice that you would pass down to the young guys getting into the sport now where the sport is completely evolved, what advice would you say to them? You know, I, I would probably tell most athletes at a young age, uh, you know, things that coaches don't tell them, you know, um, very important things like sense of urgency, you know, how important it is to win now and not wait. You know, you have a lot of, um, I'm not talking bad about coaches, but we have a lot of coaches that didn't, you know, didn't achieve what their kids are going to be able to achieve, you know, so it's hard for them to live as a coach to them. So to, for them to give up some of, uh, you know, some, some leadership, you know, and I think, uh, I think that would help a lot. Cool. You know, Joe, you look back, you've had a phenomenal wrestling career. You've had a phenomenal career just in whole. Now, if you look back over every fight, every match you've ever had, what truly was the pivotal moment that struck that switch inside of Joe Warren's mind that he was going to become the baddest man on the planet and there was nothing that could take that from you? What day was that? Yeah, you know, I think that might have been in high school, man. Um, you know, uh, I think it was in high school figuring out, you know, how bad I wanted to win and, you know, uh, how hard it was to win and how much work I had to put into it and sacrifice and, you know, actually meeting those goals 
I think uh, I, I was trying to break a national takedown record my senior year in high school, you know, and win a state championship. I was second and third, and it was terrible. So um, I think when I won that state championship my senior year, broke the national takedown record. I think that was kind of, you know, that pivotal moment, the, you know, the goal setting moment, the, you know, the sense of urgency moment where, you know, it, it worked. I did everything right. It was an undefeated season. I'm a national takedown uh, uh, record holder. And, and, you know, at that young age in high school, it changed me, I think. Now, you know, it, this truly is a bucket list show for me. I mean, I've interviewed you before and, <laughs> You yeah, kind of left a profound impact on me. You know, going into Bellator 161, what chip, if any, does, does Joe Warren have on his shoulder? And what is the statement that Joe Warren not only is going to make for himself, but make for his fans? Yeah, you know, I'm I got a big chip on my shoulder. I'm fucking pissed. I'm gonna put a hammer down. You know, I'm ripping this kid apart. I got a lot of focus and a lot of violent anger built up and ready to explode here. I've been trying to wait since uh <laughs> since I, since this last fight. Never thought I'd lose a fight again and it happened. So my focus is violent, you know, and um I'm really yeah, I'm in great shape and everything's hitting on all uh, all um all cylinders right now. My weight's good family's good i just need to pull the trigger and perform that's what i do best um I, you know my fans know that um bellator knows that they're giving me the shot again so i'm just going to try to my main concern is trying to impress myself this fight and that should impress my fans and um, give me an opportunity to take care of my family a little longer very cool and with with everything you know it's it's just so remarkable to see how you've done in the sport and how much you've accomplished. And I can't stress that enough. I'm sorry I keep harping on that, but you've accomplished literally everything. And you fought the who's who in your division, and you accomplished so many incredible things. But if there was a dream opponent to be had, or if there was something or some opponent that you would like to fight, was there anybody, past and present, anybody that you would like to fight and step in the ring with? Yeah, you know, I I would uh, probably like to fight nobody. I mean, it's very violent. <laughs> uh, but uh, bottom line, you know, I would, uh, you know, I, I my I'm gonna beat this man. He's my main focus on the 16th. Uh, I think if I ever would fight someone, I would like to probably fight Bibiano Hernandez again. He was my first loss, and I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get hopefully get the opportunity to beat up this Brazilian that I really don't like, you know, Dante's um, soon here for, for the, you know, the Bellator Nation, hopefully soon. Very cool. Very cool. And one more thing. If there is one thing that you could say to anybody that wants to try to give MMA a shot or anybody that wants to even entertain the idea of getting into wrestling or anybody that wants to, what, what piece of advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, if any, you know, you're saying an advice for someone that wants to, you know, become an athlete, you know, pretty much what you're asking. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, you know, that I, I think, you know, anyone on, you know, any kid out there, any, you know, I believe it's uh, the kids that need to start this, and there's so many stud kids out there. Um, you know, they just need to, like I said before, they need to believe in themselves, understand if they if they believe in some, that something can happen, that if they, you know, if they trust themselves and believe in it and work hard, it'll come, it'll come to, um, to, to, to bend. You know, I think that 
that's the main focus I try to always talk about. You know, if these young kids believe in themselves, you know, have these positive coaches like, you know, we talk to every single day. You see them all the time, you know, that have all these awesome kids and they're teaching them great things. And then, you know, if we just have good role models like we're having and moving forward, I think we're going to have a positive future with, with all these children and the people that we're giving these uh, quotes and advice to. Now, Joe, you know, we're getting, getting this hot the hour, so I just, I'm going to ask a question, maybe two, and then we'll, we'll let you go, sir, because we know your time is valuable. You know, watching, like I stated, watching your career as a whole, you've, you've left me dumbfounded. Uh, you know, it, it almost is to the point that when you fight nowadays, I, I'm like a family member sitting in the crowd with my, my hands over my face but peeking between my eyes because it's... <laughs> It's it's a true you're a true testament to the sport and, and not very many people I've been in this business 20 years so not very many people do I I look up at you know that manner. Well, I appreciate it. Well, it's the way you conduct yourself in life and the way you bring family to the forefront that that truly astonishes me because this sport can be very brutal and it can be very harsh sometimes. What does it mean? For Joe Warren, when he's walking out to a fight and he sees his family sitting there, what inspiration does it do for you and your heart and mind, sir? Yeah, you know, I, I've usually turned that, you know, flipped that switch before I've seen that, you know, and they're they're you they're there just for that support, you know, that the, you know, that moral support, you know, just to be able to look out there and see that and see the strength and understand why I'm doing what I'm doing and what what the cost is of me in that cage. You know, I'm making it a real, uh, I'm a realist, you know. A lot of the young kids don't understand what's happening in that cage. You know, me, it means a lot every single moment. It means uh, a lot to me and my family. So it, it's just important for me to stay focused and for me to have my family there. I don't bring my kids, but I do bring my wife every time. And she's just a staple of uh, strength in the corner for me. You know, she's been there and done that, and she's uh, she's a bad, bad lady, man. And she she just uh, she just expects a lot out of me, and her being there just really uh, pushes me past the limits that I that I can push myself. I think almost definitely is. You know, she is quite the business person and, and takes care of quite a bit. Now. Joe, I'm going to give you what I usually don't do. I'm, I'm going to give you the opportunity because I respect you so much. Um, this last segment, before we you hand the mic to you, I'm not going to let it be a question. I'm going to let you make a statement to Sakai if you choose to do so. And what would that statement be right now while, while the floor is yours, Joe? Yeah, you know... I don't give a crap really about this man at all. This is a body in front of me. You know me. You know these are bodies in front of me. Um, I make them. I make it. I make it really personal. These fights, so I can make it really real. Um, I just don't think this man understands what he's getting into a cage with. You know, I'm a battle-tested warrior. There's nothing this man can throw at me that uh, can can hurt me. And I'm the most dangerous I've ever been coming off this loss. Uh, we know it's happened before. We've seen it in the future. And I just uh, – hopefully this guy's got some insurance, man. Uh, I'm, I'm putting this dude down in the cage. You know, that 
couldn't have been more eloquently said from the back of the planet. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like to talk shit yet, but, uh, you know, the bottom line is I'm focused, I'm ready. I'm going to pull the trigger and get the job done. We all know that. Uh, he's If I was him, I'd be scared as hell. He knows what's coming. He's coming bad out of hell. He's coming from all, coming for uh, blood. You know, I mean, this is uh, <laughs> this is really personal for me. Most definitely, sir. As I, I will be at Bellator 161 rooting you on, and uh, it'll be a, a true testament to meet you. And uh, All right. Well, I'll bring you a baddest man shirt. Oh, well, most definitely, dude. I'll, I'll sport it. Oh, oh I know. I know. I got it for you. What size? Large, sir. All right. I'll bring bring one for you. Uh, if you see my wife before me, just let her know, and she'll, she'll hook you up. All right. Will do. Well, you know, Joe, <laughs> I... I I'm honored because uh, I will rock that indefinitely. But uh, we're getting to the top of the hour here. So what we usually like to do is, on behalf of David and, and myself, we truly are honored and humbled that you took the time out of your training schedule to come and join us. So at this point in the time in the interview, what we like to do is kind of mic you, any sponsors, any friends, any family, any social media sites where our listeners can find you. So the floor is yours. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I I just like to thank my family, Christy and the kids. Um, always, you know, first off, I thank Mark Montoya, you know, my coach, the man behind me, uh, you know, Factory X in Denver, Colorado. Thank you, Mark. Bob Forster, Phase 4 Athletics out in Santa Monica. He's in the, at the he's at the Olympics right now on the track and field on the track. Uh, those guys make sure they're – I'm in the best shape always. Lineup MMA, our, our podcast you got to tune in and hear that. And I always like to thank Bellator and Vicom. I'd like to thank you guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. It always means a lot to me. Anything I can do to help any of you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm always down. you got my number. And, uh, you know, just tune in September, 6, September 16th, Austin, Texas. I'm going to pull the trigger and beat up, this, uh, beat up this kid in the Bellator cage for you guys. Most definitely. Uh, you know, Joe, it's been a true honor and a privilege. And, uh, I look forward to seeing you at Bellator 161, and I look forward to you getting your hand raised as you are so deserving, and it's truly been an honor and a privilege, sir. All right, I'll come back on after this show. We'll talk about me beating up Dantes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got it, brother. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, guys, thanks for having me, man. All right, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Take it easy, guys. You too, brother. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Joe Warren, the baddest man on the planet. Uh, David? Now you can see why I was kind of nervous, bro. Wow. He was so knowledgeable about so many, a great many things, my friend. Uh, His wrestling, like he dropped some names. I'm like, oh, my God, Gable, of course, Dan Gable. Like, how can I forget that name? And, like, he knew so much about wrestling. He knew so much about mixed martial arts. He dropped so much knowledge, just like you warned me that he was going to. And he was he was amazing to talk to. He he just knows so much about the game. And, you know, I feel uh, it's going to be a tough fight for his opponent. Make no mistake about it. Joe Warren is an expert. He's knowledgeable about the sport. He knows he there's not much he doesn't know about the sport. It's, it's going to be very, very interesting to watch. And, of course, I'm pulling for Joe, uh, Joe Warren. And, you know, if he's – if this is – if this is going to be just another win for Joe because I – you know what? I just see so many things he still is left to accomplish. I think I think he can hold the title again. I think he can do so many things. And 
I'm just blown away. Like, I'm speechless of how much he knew about the game. Like, what it done? Were you like that at the same time that when you first uh, first interviewed him? Uh, yeah, just just a little bit. I was astounded. You know, it it truly is a, a fighter that I've I've always looked up to and admired. You know, I mean, how can you not? The baddest man on the planet. So you expect this man to live up to that name. And you know, like me and you, we spoke off the air a little bit about this. You know, I told you I'll bet you a thousand dollars if you, you know, if you can name another fighter that's been in Bellator longer. And you know, the, the guy is just a true testament to wrestling. He's a true testament to the sport of mixed martial arts. And as a, a father and a husband, he truly devotes all of them to these three different parts of his world, but with a hundred percent dedication. Yeah, and uh, he's going to be in Belgium for the long haul. I don't think there's any – he blazed his own trail because you get a lot of people that you talk to, Don, that their, their, biggest, their biggest motivation to waking up and going to the gym every day is going to the UFC. But we talked to Miss Carpenter who she – you know what? If that comes, if that falls on her plate, sure, not a problem. But she's focusing on Invicta and blazing her own trail. And same thing with Joe Warren. Joe Warren fought in Dream. He fought – in Bellator, he never even talked once about the UFC. That's why I respect so much about him. He didn't need the UFC to help his brand. He helped his own brand. And, of course, with the misses, the boss behind him, you know, he's he's done such a magnificent job with his career, and he he's just as cool. It, it, it speaks waves when you can watch a fighter on television, and he's just as as amazing as he is on television when he does interviews. He lives up to your every expectation when you finally meet him and talk to him. And Joe Warren is a testament to that. He is an absolute inspiration. And anybody that listens, can, they can take so much away from Joe Warren of how to do their own career and how to run their own career and how to, to approach the sport. Joe, Joe Warren is amazing. And by the way, is there anything else you want to talk about, uh, Don? And so many events coming up with the sport, so many things coming up with UFC, so many things coming up for Bellator. What are you in particularly excited about? I have to interview you. Let me turn the hot light on you. What are you? What What's your biggest interest right now? What's going on with MMA? You know, honestly, my biggest interest right now is truly seeing uh, Max Griffin come out in a great fashion. Uh, dominating fashion, you know, it's kind of hard when, when Colby Covington is is a person that I know in life, and you know, and then Max is, of course, very near and dear to me. So it, it's kind of hard for me. But that fight right there is the fight I'm looking at. Uh, I'm not looking at any other fight. It's just I'm looking at Griffin versus Colby Covington. Uh, I think it's going to be a war. I think a lot of people have not made a decision yet on, on this bout, and, and I don't think they should, as I think it's going to be a truly tremendous fight for both these individuals. So they're both unique. They both bring a, a warrior mentality of never give up, never say never to the cage. And this is one fight I think people need to keep their eyes on. Very true. And Kobe Cummington is a dangerous opponent for anybody. I'm actually looking forward to... I was watching last night a documentary, uh, The Evolution of Punk, and I was watching that. And of course, no, I'm on my own. I'm on my own kamikaze mission, Don. I'm hopping. I'm fresh out of surgery. I'm hopping into the plane and I'm I'm going on my suicide mission, crashing right into an octagon. So I I respect him a lot. 
for, for doing what he was doing. But your, your overall opinion, and I don't think anyone's ever asked you this, but, you know, I, I think uh, Joe brought up that he talks a lot with uh, Ben Askren. Uh, do, do you – what do you think – or what's your personal assessment on the uh, CM Punk storyline or what, how is it going to play out? Oh, man, you had to go there with me. I've got to ask you the tough questions. You're an old-school guy, so I've been waiting to ask you this, and thank God I remembered. Thanks for, uh, Joe, to bringing it up. Well, you know uh... – I'm going to get a lot of naysayers and a lot of hatred for this, but I I personally, and you might even be not too intrigued with my answer, but I have really never given CM Punk any any type of play. Uh, I've ne- I've never really respected him. I've never I've never really thought of him as as a prevalent force in in the sport of mixed martial arts. You know, he may be great in, in, in all his other attributes, but in an MMA atmosphere, I truly don't have an opinion for the gentleman as, as I truly can't uh, uniquely say anything that would be graceful towards towards him in, 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 in regard. Yeah. And, um... You know, it's... I, I look at the sport, you got to remember, I'm old school. So... The WWE theatrics that you know are being perplexed in in the sport today, I'm I'm not a fan of, you know. Yeah. And it's it's a generational thing. It's it's something that keeps rear ends in the seats and and keeps the pay per views going. Do I think people like from the wrestling world should be able to trans you know verge into the MMA world? I most definitely. Uh, one fighter that you were on. A show with me that we interviewed, and that, and that was Bobby Lashley. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that that dislike him, and, and and he has his naysayers, but it just happens to be one individual that I think has proven to me that he can cross over with, without the drama, without the you know blatant disrespect towards others, and become a dominant force in the sport of mixed martial arts. Uh, I'm going to turn it on you. What are your thoughts looking at Bobby Lashley, thinking he'd be uh, a tremendous attribute to the sport of mixed martial arts, not only in putting rear ends in the seat, but on a fighter level. I think Bobby Lashley is a commendable fighter, especially because he came in very one-dimensional. He reali- he still relies very heavily on his his uh, very strong wrestling abilities. He, I, I like pro wrestlers in mixed martial arts. I don't like the shit talking, and I'm gonna be completely frank with you. I'm. I'm school in that sense, where I grew up watching Pride more than anything. I was a Pride fan, and I can't believe Pride got sold. You know, I was very upset about that. And I watched a little Japanese pro wrestler, and my hero and biggest inspiration is is uh, Kajushi Sakuraba. Kajushi Sakuraba is an amazing individual and an amazing fighter and really shocked the world when he fought Hoist Gracie. I don't... and He didn't bring his pro wrestling theatrics. He brought the entertainment value and the charisma, but he never shit-talked his opponents. I don't like, and I might get some heat for this, but I don't like Conor McGregor because Conor McGregor is so talented, he doesn't need to talk. He doesn't need to say a word because he's so freaking talented, he can go, get away with being talented alone and still sell out seats and put butts in seats. I don't like the, the crap talking. That's the, that's the bottom line. So you and I share that same opinion, and Bobby Lashley, too, is so respectful as an opponent 
And he, he, he again, writes the blueprint of a pro wrestler getting to mixed martial arts and how to do it the correct way. So that's my personal opinion. And CM Punk, I hope he does well because I don't wish poor things on anybody. So I hope CM Punk does well too. But Don, of course, you know, you have a, you're a very, very busy man, my friend, and uh, I have to hit the hay. So, Don, you want to wrap it up with uh, some parting words, my good sir, my Hall of Fame caliber co-host that I'm honored to be a part of this with? Almost definitely. You know, I just wish people would explain things, you know, about my careers. It, it isn't about me. It's about the fighters. You know, I just first and foremost would like to thank the listeners for tuning in and, and listening to us, you know, we we try to give the fighter a platform which is unique to, to show both sides of who they are, not just the fighter, but the person behind the fighter. And doing this show with David is is tremendous because it, it gives a unique 360 view into the sport we both love and enjoy so much. Uh, looking at my career as a whole, there's only one statement I would like to make, and that truly is thank you to all the fighters for the respect that you've given me. Thank you to all the gems for the respect that you've given me. And thank you for allowing me into your lives in that manner and in radio. If it wasn't for you, David nor I, would ex- we wouldn't exist. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you. And much love to Psycho Gear and Finished MMA and Affliction for continuing to allow me to, to do what I do outside of radio and on radio and to you brother it's a a great big thank you to you for sharing the airways with me and allowing us to to spread the word of mixed martial arts in an integrable fashion absolutely and boys and girls children of all ages we're going to wrap it up i'm sure we'll be back next week don always brings on the greatest guests because he has the greatest friends of the sport you know don don puts in the hard work and he puts in the grind and he is dedicated to the sport every step of the way. I'm just happy to share, you know, my perspective on things and also learn some things from Don because Don's old school and Don can teach you a thing or two about a thing or two. So boys and girls, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Don. You're the absolute man. And for myself and Don, I hope you guys have a good night. So long, everybody, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you and God bless. It makes it easier, yo.